Thanks for coming out and braving the elements. Good to see you all this morning. Amen. Turn with me in your copy of the scripture to Luke chapter 2. And talk about a little bit more of the Christmas story this morning. The title of the message today is just simply Waiting for Christmas. Have you ever noticed that waiting and Christmas kind of are, they kind of go hand in hand? You ever notice that to be true? Went shopping with my wife this week and you wait in lines, you wait in traffic, um, you wait on people. Black Friday is probably the worst scenario where that happens. If you do Black Friday shopping, you wait. Waiting just seems to be part of this, this Christmas thought process. I, I remember when I was a kid, we always had to wait. We'd go to my aunt's house on Christmas Eve, and, and there'd be all these presents underneath the tree, but you can't touch them. You can't open them. You can't do anything with them until what? We've had dinner. Dinner's been cleaned up. And we all get in there together, and we decide what we're going to do. Right? Waiting. That was torturous as a kid. I had to wait for those presents to be a, and we would always get there about lunchtime. And I, we never started opening presents, I don't think, until about seven or eight o'clock that night. That's torturous for a kid. I remember within the next day, we would go over to my, my grandparents' house typically, and, and the same thing. You'd have to wait till you got done with lunch, and then all the dishes would have to be done. And, and we had a deal where the grandkids did dishes, and I, I declare my sister and my cousin Adam were the slowest dishwashers I've ever seen in my life. My, my, my other cousin, Karen, and myself, man, we just we wiped those things out. We were like, come on. <laughs> That little bit will just be good for later, you know? Who cares? There's a little bit of food on there. That's all right. Grandpa likes everything put together anyway. It'll be all right, right? Let's get to business, what we came here to do, right? Waiting. Nobody likes to wait. I wonder, you know, there are two people here in Luke chapter 2 in our text that they were, if you would call them professional waiters, and I don't mean like servers, like would come to your table. I'm talking about people who wait, had patience. There are two that are found in Luke chapter 2 that are amazing. And uh, we're going to talk about them this morning. Um, let me ask you just a couple questions. Uh, what are you waiting for this Christmas? Are there things that you're um, expecting to have happen? Is there anything you're looking forward to that's special? We come to this passage in Luke, and there were, there's two individuals. There's a man by the name of Simeon, and there's a woman by the name of Anna. And they don't appear in any nativity scene. They don't appear usually in the Christmas pageants or the plays. You're typically, they're not seen on many Christmas cards or, or any kind of greeting. But they're significant players in this story. Both of these individuals were waiting on something. Actually, they were waiting for someone. Let's look at this passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. So now, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. 
Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for, uh, for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what he had said about, what was said about him. And when Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the, fa- the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And there was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Father, today I pray that you would... uh, Allow us to see your word this morning through the eyes of these two individuals. God, that they waited a long time to see comfort. They waited a long time to see salvation. God, today I thank you. I thank you today that uh, your word was manifested through them and they got to see those things. But God, I thank you that we can see them even today. And I praise you and I love you, Lord. Help me to... Get out of the way. Help preach this word through me in Jesus' name. Amen. First person I want us to look at is Simeon. Simeon is introduced here in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. He was a man who was very highly talked about. He was righteous. He was devout. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Um, He was someone that uh, people would recognize as being a very godly person. Things weren't going too well for the nation of Israel at this time in history. Some of you may know what's, what's happening here. They hadn't heard a word from God for many years. As a matter of fact, if you were to look at your Bible right now and you would go to Matthew and turn, keep turning and get to Malachi, there's probably about a page or two that's blank in there or it just says the New Testament, right? Well, I want you to remember this. Whenever you come to that blank page, That's because there was no word from the Lord. It was blank for 400 years. There's a period of 400 years where there was no prophet, there was no voice of God, there was no miracles, there was no appearance or anything from God to the nation of Israel for a period of 400 years. That's what that blank page between the Testaments means. And so this is a very uh, down time. Things aren't going really well. And to top it off, they were now under the oppression of Roman rule. They had lost political independence, and they were living in fear. Fear of the Romans, but also fear of a crazy wild man king whose name was Herod. Herod was... Whacked out. That's putting it mildly. 
Herod was a guy who killed his own family members because he thought that they were going to try to overthrow him. That's the kind of craziness Herod was about. And so Herod was, he, he was the one at this time who's ruling in, in the, the area that's of Israel. Many people now were wondering, man, if the Messiah would ever come. But there was a person named Simeon who was given a word from the Lord. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And so he waited, and he waited, and he waited. And it comes to this point of time when Jesus was born and his parents are bringing him to the temple to um, give the offering and the sacrifice of what was needed to keep with the law of the Lord. And the man named Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit to be there at that moment. And he says these words. He was looking for the consolation of of Israel. If you look at that word, that means comfort. He had it, he was expecting to to focus on the comfort that Christ would bring. You know, it kind of hits me today that the desire to be comforted is a universal thought. It's a universal human need. Every one of us in this room at one time or another, maybe it's not today, but at some point, at some time in our life, we struggle with things like loneliness. We struggle with things like emptiness and insecurity. We struggle from desperation. And in fact, this Christmas season is typically can be one of the most crisis times for a lot of people because they feel those very emotions raising up inside of them. It is said that this is one of the top times of the year where uh, clinical uh, psychiatrists treat depression and suicide more than any other time. And we need comfort as well. The Holy Spirit prompts Simeon to go to the temple courts at the right time, on the right day, that Joseph and Mary would be there bringing Jesus to the temple. And when he looks at the baby Jesus... He knows that God's promise has been kept. God with us to make everything right, to comfort and console his people. That the significance of his presence would lead to the physical, emotional, and spiritual healing of people. Verse 28 of Luke chapter 2 says that Simeon reached down and took Jesus out of Mary's arms. Now, wait a minute, just for a second here. Would that like just weird some of you parents out? You're going to the temple. You don't know this guy. And this old guy comes up to you that you don't know. He says, "Woo!" He starts giving God praise and he gets a little bit crazy and all of a sudden he reaches down and takes your kid from you. Right? Some of you moms are right now going, uh-uh, not my baby. Right? And he starts praising God for what he has seen. 
I'm sure that this was not a quiet prayer. This was not a quiet praise. This man had waited for a long time to see the promised Messiah. This was probably not something where he took the baby and went, Thank you. I'm sure this man is shouting from his top of his lungs, Sovereign Lord, you have promised this, and it's come to pass. You can now dismiss me in peace, knowing that I've seen the coming of the Messiah. I've seen what it means to be comforted. I see the hope that's found totally in Jesus. And this morning, as, as, it has, as the thought process has come to me, that there, there may be some people here who are struggling with loneliness or depression, or, or maybe they're struggling with difficult things that this season bring, or, or maybe you're just struggling right now. I'm going to tell you this, just as Simeon saw the hope that was found in Jesus, today the same Jesus offers you hope, and He offers you comfort. And he offers you peace. The second person that was waiting was Anna. Anna, her husband had died, and she had pretty much just dedicated herself to fasting and praying in the temple. In fact, the Bible says that she never left the temple, she worshiped day and night. She was looking for the same person that Simeon was, but for a different reason. She wasn't looking for comfort. Anna was looking for redemption. Anna was looking for forgiveness. If you look at verse 38, it says, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child who, to all who were looking forward to the what? Redemption. Of Jerusalem. The word redemption here is related to the idea of captivity. In the Old Testament, really up until this point, actually, uh, even through the life of Christ, Israelites viewed one of the most important, popular things that, that brought, was talked about forgiveness and redemption was found when the Passover in, back in Exodus happened and these Israelites were now free from Egyptian slavery, and in Anna's day, that would, would have meant the ultimate redemption and the symbol of God's power to do what? To release captive people. If you look at it, ultimately, that Passover pointed ahead to the day that God would provide deliverance from slavery of sin. And in fact, there are many parallels in the story of Moses and the Egyptians and God's people go as there are to Jesus. I want to just name a couple of them. Number one, Moses and Jesus were both babies who the king was trying to kill. Why? Because kings kill deliverers. I don't know if you catch that or not. Kings try to kill deliverers. Why? Because they want to keep people, worthy kings, worldly kings want to keep people under the thumb. But Jesus came what? I've come to set people free. 
Moses came to set uh, his purpose, even though he didn't find it out when he was an infant or even a child. It was later in life. He was, had a purpose, and his purpose was to deliver God's people from bondage and slavery in Egypt. God had set him apart. He had put him in Pharaoh's house. He had grown him in all of the things and the customs of Egypt. He had sent him to the backside of the desert to tend sheep. All of that was training. All of that was a moment so that at the time, at the proper time, Moses could could be called to do what? To deliver God's people out of the hands of Pharaoh and Egyptians. Well, just like Moses was that way, Jesus comes along to deliver God's people out of the slavery of sin. The Passover lamb back in Exodus was something they, it was a perfect lamb that the, that the children of Israel would, had to slaughter and kill and then they would pet the blood on the doorpost because then the Passover lamb would pass over them. That, catch that, right? Passover. That's why it was called the Passover lamb. And so there was this idea of, man, this was a saving thing for Israel, but when you get to Jesus' time, there is a Passover lamb, the perfect spotless lamb of God, who would then be broken and sacrificed, and his blood would be shed for the redemption and forgiveness of sin, for the setting free of not only Israel, but all of mankind. So when Anna sees Jesus, she gives thanks to God and spoke to everyone that was around her who were waiting for redemption, <laughs> saying, here's the one who would save God's people from their sins. Jesus came. He provided the things that Simeon and Anna were looking for and were waiting for, God's comfort and forgiveness. Which brings me full circle back to where we kind of started today. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Maybe today you're here and you can identify with Simon. And you're hurting right now. You're feeling empty. You're feeling afraid. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling stressed out, maxed out because of the Christmas season. You need some comfort. You're looking for comfort. You're waiting for comfort. If so, you can find that in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you identify with Anna and maybe you're plagued with guilt this Christmas because of something you've done. Maybe the way you've been living. You feel trapped in a pattern of sin that you can't break out of. And today you need redemption. You need forgiveness. Jesus can give you both. He can minister to both sets of people today. Or maybe you're just here today and you just, man, you just feel this tug at your heart that says, man, I just need more of Christ. I need more of him. He can satisfy that need too. I want to give us, as we conclude our time together this morning, I want to give three action steps that are found in this scripture that will lead us to the place of experiencing God's presence, his comfort, and his forgiveness this Christmas. The first one is this. We need to become a marveler. I'm not talking about the comic strip, marvel, but that's the same word here, a marveler. When Joseph and Mary tried to process everything that happened, 
Verse 33 of chapter 2 basically says this. They marveled at what was said about Jesus. Have you ever marveled about anything? That word, that word actually means to be filled with wonder, astonishment, and surprise. Huh. Are you a marveler this Christmas? Are you caught up in the busyness and stress of the holiday season? Has Christmas become too predictable, too familiar? Have you heard the Christmas story so many times that it no longer astonishes you? Or brings the elements of, of, uh, of expectation to your heart? You know, for Christians, and you know, we were just talking about this even the last few days. Sometimes Christmas can it just sometimes it just doesn't feel like Christmas. You know, we put up the tree, we we do all the stuff, we we kind of go through the same thing. And I, and I wonder sometimes if if Christmas hasn't become so instinctly ingrained in us that the sense of wonder and the sense of astonishment, the sense of the Christ child has been lost. We don't marvel at Christmas the way we did. We're too busy with our checklists and our to-do lists and our stuff that has to get done. And, and we have all these things that we have to do. And, and Christmas, instead of being something where we are worshiping a, a Savior that's been born, whether we are having time to be astonished at God's presence in our life and what He's mean to us, it becomes a checklist of things that we have to do. And and what that ends up being is it's more stress than it is astonishment. And I think for us as believers, Christmas can be a dangerous time of year because we can overlook what God's done in us and what God wants to do in us for the hustle and bustle of what is on our list. Recapture the marvel of Christmas. I challenge you with this thought. Here's just an idea. As you read through the Christmas story, I challenge you to do that this week. Pick one of the characters and put yourself in their sandals. Pick one of the characters and put yourself in those sandals. Maybe you're here this morning and you can think of Mary. Here's Mary. She's engaged to be married, man. She has got everything on her world is just like boop, boop. You, know how, you remember that time when there was engagement, man, and oh, the world was awesome and got starry-eyed and everything was awesome and you know you're running through the fields with your hand in hand and singing love songs to one another you know what that's like right and 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 you know sam still does that to this day but the rest of us you know you remember what that was like and and you're here and 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 all of a sudden you get word that man you're pregnant and it's with God's baby. And now you've got to tell the person that you're in love with, hey, Joseph, you, you got a minute? Right? Think of the shepherds. Put yourself in their sandals. These guys are the lowest of the low on the totem pole socially. They're out in the field just minding their own business. And boom! Their world explodes with angels singing and with the joy of what Christmas can bring. 
I challenge you, catch the marvel of Christmas again. Catch the excitement. Put yourself in one of these character sandals. And I think it'll make you think about that thought process again. The second step is this, become a mover. Become a mover. As I look throughout this scripture, I I see Simeon was a man, in verse 27 it says, he was moved by the Spirit. He was moved by the Spirit. I I look at Anna, someone who was moved by the Spirit of God. She she was at the right place at the right time, at at the right location. When the Holy Spirit prompted them to move, they didn't just sit still. They went and did. They went and and obeyed and followed the voice. They responded. I wonder what would have happened if they had not responded. I, I wonder if, actually, I wonder if every one of these Christmas characters that we talk about, what would have happened if they didn't move? If they didn't respond to what God was doing in them and trying to show them. If they just sat back and did nothing. Actually, every character that's involved from Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, all of them had to have some kind of movement that took place. Mary was ready to move when she said to the angel, may it be as you have said. Joseph demonstrated that he was ready to move when he wakes up from his dream and and he says that he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do and he took Mary to be his wife. The shepherds were ready to move whenever they, the heavenly host, when they were gone, they looked at each other and they said, let's go to Bethlehem and see what this is all about. They were ready to move. The wise men were ready to move when they saw the star in the east and they began to follow that. When they were in the east, they saw the star and they followed that star. They were moving. And if we want to experience the Christ child, if we want to experience what God wants to do in us, the presence of God, that's what got them moving. That was what got them focused on going what they needed to do and going and doing the things that God had spoken in their heart for them to do. It was the presence of God. It was the promise of a Messiah. It was the promise of a Savior that was going to come. And that's what got them motivated to move. When God prompts you to move, you need to do it. Because it will mean the presence of God being more real and more powerful in your life than you've ever seen. It could be the salvation of someone close to you. It could be the the, uh, surrender. We sang that song, I surrender all. It might be the surrender of other people's lives to the Lord. Or maybe God just wants to do something in you in the process. But you got to move. Don't procrastinate. When God speaks to your heart to do something, do it. I'm this this part of verses on third thirty four and thirty five. It says Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. He said, "This child destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel." And to be a 
a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. How many of you have seen that on a Christmas greeting card? It's not real popular, right? Your, this sun will cause the rising and falling of many in Israel. That's not a really good Christmas greeting. That's not real joyful, is it? He's not saying, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Right? I can just see him. He pauses, he clears his throat, and he tells her that Christmas will never be merry. And that the new year will never be happy until people get moving and they surrender their life to Christ. Here's the truth about what Christmas does and really what Jesus does. Jesus splits people into two different camps. Since Jesus has entered the world, he has divided the human race. He's called the rising and the falling of many. Because of who Jesus is and what he came to do, he forces people to make a decision about him. The Bible uses powerful imagery here. It says that Jesus will either be a rock that you build your life upon, that's the sense of the rising, or he will be a rock that you stumble over, sense of the falling. But he's calling each of us to move and respond. All of mankind, he's calling for either rising, they will either rise or they will fall. Because you see, you can't stay neutral about Jesus. You can't just stay neutral. You're either moving closer to him or farther away. So I ask you, are you a mover? Become a mover toward Christ. The third and final one is this. Become a messenger. It's interesting that as we work at becoming marvelers, if you're a marveler of the Lord and you're astonished by what God's doing, usually that makes you become a mover, but then that has to lead us to this final action step today, and that's this idea of becoming a messenger. Notice what Anna does here. She gave thanks to God, verse 38, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She spoke about the child. She's telling everybody. You won't believe what I just saw. You missed it. You weren't in the temple today? Woo, you missed it. You weren't in church today? Woo, no, you missed it. Let me tell you about what I saw. Let me tell you about what happened to me. Oh, man. I've heard it explained this way. Someone telling somebody about the Lord is one person who was hungry, telling another person who is hungry where to find bread. That's all it is. It's a messenger. God's called us to be messengers. So this Christmas season, do we have people around us who need to hear? Maybe there are people that you come in contact to, and they need to hear that message of what God's done in your life. Be a marveler, be a mover, be a messenger. As I conclude this thought process today and I conclude our, our time, I want us to, to look at this idea here of Christmas 
Because Christmas is a marveling, moving message. And I'm telling you, if you look close enough, you'll find what you've been waiting for in Jesus. Because the person that has the Son, once you have Jesus, you have everything. And I close with this story. There's a story of this elderly gentleman who had a son. He was very wealthy, and he had a passion for art. And his son, it was a hobby that they had done for many years. They had collected these wonderful pieces of art. They had art that was from Van Gogh. They had Picassos. They had all this millions of dollars worth of art in their home. Winter approached one year and war broke out across their nation. This man's son was sent to fight in the military to serve his country. After only a, few, a couple weeks, the, the father received a telegram that his son had passed away. Distraught, lonely, he faced this upcoming Christmas holiday with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season was gone because of what had happened to his son. Christmas morning, he wakes up to a knock at the door. And the old man goes to the door, and as he walks past all the masterpieces of art that hung on his wall, all of those artwork, all it did was remind him of his son. He opens the door, and he's greeted by a soldier who has a large package with him. And he hands it to the man, and he said, I was a friend of your son's. I was actually the one that he was rescuing when he was shot and died. Can I come in for a few minutes? I've got something I want to show you. Soldier mentioned that he was an artist, and then he gave that old man this package. And as he began to open up the package, it revealed a picture, a portrait of the man's son that this soldier had painted for him. It would never be considered a piece, a masterpiece, uh, or a work of genius in the art world, but this man had painted this young man's face in striking detail on this canvas. As you can imagine, the father was overcome with emotion, and the man hung the portrait over his fireplace, pushing aside all the millions of dollars worth of artwork. And he sat in his chair, and he spent Christmas looking at the gift that he'd been given. The painting of his son had become his most prized possession, eclipsing any other pieces of art that he had. The following spring, the father passed away. The art world was waiting with anticipation for their upcoming auction that they were going to have to get rid of all of this artwork. According to the will of the old man, all of this would be auctioned off on Christmas Day because that was the day he had received his greatest gift. The day soon arrived, all the art collectors from all around the world gathered in this man's house. <laughs> and they began to bid they were there to bid on all these spectacular paintings that would be amazing to be in museums. The auctioneer began with a painting that wasn't on anybody's list. He started with the painting of the sun. 
all the, uh, all the people, he's asking for a bid, and the room is just silent. There's nothing, not, you can't even hear it. You know how auctions are. Somebody scratches their ear, hey, there's one. Everybody just sat, dumbfounded. Who'll open the bid at 100 bucks? Nobody spoke. Finally, one of the, the people who was there for the real art had said, hey, listen, nobody cares about that picture. Nobody cares about that thing. Let's move on. Let's get to some of this other stuff that's more expensive. It's, it's what we came here for. Let's get to all the good stuff. The auctioneer responded, no, we have to sell this one first. Now, who's going to take the son? Finally, a neighbor of the old man offered $10. He said, that's all I've got, but I knew that boy, and he meant a lot to me, so I'd like to have it. The auctioneer going once, going twice, sold. Cheers filled the, the room because now we can finally move on. We're done with this. We can get forward to the real treasures. The auctioneer looks at everybody in the room, and he says this, the auction is now over. Everybody's stunned. They're like, what do you mean it's over? We came here for the painting. We didn't come here for the painting of somebody's son. There are millions of dollars of artwork here. What's going on? The auctioneer simply said this. It's very simple. According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. Isn't that the same thing that Jesus, that the Father did? According to the will of the Father, whoever takes the Son gets it all. You've been struggling with loneliness. You've been struggling with pain. Whoever takes the sun gets it all. Today you're here and, man, you've been struggling with sin. and you I, I don't know. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. Maybe this is your first Sunday. I don't know. But you've been struggling. That Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart right now. You've been struggling with that. And you need forgiveness. You've been waiting, man, and today's your day for forgiveness and redemption. And can I just tell you, whoever gets the sun gets it all. Would you bow your heads, please? Father, this morning I pray that you would allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit move throughout this room this morning in the name of Jesus. Touch hearts and lives, pull them, God, to you. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning, and you be honest with the Lord. And you relate to one of these people in the story. Whether it's Anna, maybe you're here today and, and you'd say, you know what, I'm looking for redemption, I'm looking for forgiveness. I've got a sin that I can't, that nobody knows about. Nobody's, it's a hidden thing. Nobody even knows that I'm doing it. But that same sin has a has a price tag on it. And it's death. And maybe you've been longing to get rid of that thing. Maybe you've been longing to, to part with it. But, man, you've been kind of waiting and going through and trying everything you know to do. And today you'd relate with Anna and you'd say, you know what, today, I want today to be the day of redemption. I want today to be the day of forgiveness.
And you be honest with God and honest with yourself and the Holy Spirit's moving in your heart right now. And you say, yeah, I need redemption today. Would you raise up your hand? I'm going to pray with you this morning. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I need redemption today. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you, you relate more with Simeon because right now you're in a pretty lonely place. You're empty. The hustle and bustle of all the Christmas things have got you just where it's just like a checklist and you've missed and you're missing out. You're not marveled anymore. You're not in astonishment anymore. These things have just become whatever. Or maybe this is a very down time for you. Maybe there's a very depressed thought process in your mind. And just like Simeon, you would say, yeah, I need the comfort and the consolation of God. I need the comfort of God, the peace of God in my life this morning. I need to be marveled by him again. If that's you this morning, would you slip up your hand today? Yeah. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning? I'm going to have Pastor Eric just sing that last song that we ended worship with, I Surrender All. As he leads us in that song, today you raised your hand and you meant business with the Lord. You're, you want to step forward and do that. I want to pray with you today. I give you an opportunity to come to this altar and pray. We want to pray with you down here. If we're going to close our time with prayer here in just a moment, but if you really meant and you really want to come in contact with the Lord today, remember he who has the Son gets it all. So Father, today as we prepare our hearts right now and we come, Holy Spirit move throughout this building and move at this altar in prayer in Jesus' name.